Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. <laughs> BFFT. From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, here's John Canzano with the Bald Face Truth. It's a big radio show. This is kind of big time guest list today. Ricky Williams, Heisman winner on the show. Jonathan Smith, Oregon State's head football coach on the show. Our next guest... I got to be honest, no offense to Ricky Williams or Jonathan Smith. I'm more interested in talking to Josh Newman of the Salt Lake Tribune. Does a fantastic job on Utah. He's the go-to. You want to know what's going on with Utah? Good follow on Twitter. Fairly new father. So, you know, he gets some street cred on this show. All moms and dads get street cred on this show. But Josh Newman knows what's going on in Utah, and Oregon State's headed to Utah. Utah will also play USC coming up on October 15th in a game that everybody has circled on their calendar. Josh Newman, welcome to the show. How is fatherhood? Let's start there. Uh, fatherhood is good. You know, it's been fun. It's been uh, exciting. It's been frustrating at times. Uh, but it's been awesome. Look, as, as long as this kid keeps smiling and keeps laughing from year to year, everything's going to be all right gets better and better man but tell me what you didn't know months ago that you now know cold oh you got to stick to a nap schedule you know this kid really was not napping during the day for a long time and at first i was willing to trade the no sleeping during the day because we were getting like eight hours of sleep at night but now the kid is starting to nap and you have to keep him on a schedule right two and a half three hours whatever it is if you get off schedule it's going to be a bit of a rough afternoon, potentially a rough evening for mom and dad. Josh Newman, Salt Lake Tribune with us. Native of Long Island, New York. Long Island. Man, you're a long way from Long Island in Salt Lake City. Yeah, just a little bit. Uh, I, 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 I'm still told that I do have the New York accent, which makes yeah. me happy. I don't, I don't want to lose the accent. Uh, people around here still kind of treat me as a carnival act. Um, but, you know, the people have been great. Mostly, I'll say that. Yeah. Give me an idea. Utah fan, you know, they had some success last year. They beat Oregon a couple times. They win the conference championship. They go to the Rose Bowl. Was Utah fans satisfied with that, or did they change, or did you did your job become, like, more annoying because, you know, there hadn't been that kind of success, or there had been? How did the Utah fan handle last year in your mind? I mean, look, from my perspective, I mean, the job is the job, whether you go, you know, 10 wins and go to the Rose Bowl or you're five wins and you're going into the offseason. I don't think my job really changes that much. I, I just kind of have to roll with it. Um, I don't know. Like, Joe Average Utah fan was obviously very happy with what happened last season, um, you know, going to the Rose Bowl. Obviously, you know, the subplot to last season was obviously the tragedy between, you know, Ty Jordan's death and Aaron Lowe's death in season you know those things kind of became a rallying cry for this fan base um but look again you know fans wouldn't trade what happened last season for anything obviously you know a landmark year finally getting over the hump winning the pac-12 going to the rose bowl etc um you know what what was the expect you know 
the expectation this year, right? You look what was coming back between Cam Rising and Tavion Thomas and Brant Keithy and 80% of the offensive line, and the secondary was healthy. So I think, I think you know, the average Utah fan was really on board with, you know, they can win the Pac-12 again, and they can go to the Rose Bowl again. But you, there was this other subsection, and I kind of exasperated this. I really thought going into the season that, the college football playoff was a, a reasonable expectation, right? You had a lot of humps to get over, right? It would have helped if they'd won at Florida. And I'm not saying that the college football playoff dream is dead just yet, but going into the season, going through the spring, going through the summer, uh, there was definitely a, a subset of fans that had kind of circled the CFP as, as the goal, you know, and that's not an every year thing for Utah, but with what Utah had coming back, that had certainly turned into at least part of the end game for the fan base. Josh Newman, Salt Lake Tribune with us. Everybody picked Utah to win the Pac-12 at the beginning of the year. Then came week one. They go to Gainesville. They lose to Florida. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a theory out there. Is it possible that we're going to look back at week one and go, you know, that was a good loss for Utah because it locked them in they got about business. They didn't want to lose a second game. Is it possible that becomes the narrative? I'm actually thinking it could be the exact opposite, that that could be a bad loss. Because, look, if we're sitting here in two months and they, you know, they win the Pac-12 and they're, you know, whatever they finish. Look, if they finish 12-1, and one, it's going to be hard to leave them out. Now, if they finish 11-2 and two and they get left out of the playoff, we're going to be looking at that Florida game a certain way, right? We're going to be thinking, at least, look, I don't speak for anybody else. I'm going to be thinking about the last drive and getting to the six-yard line and rising, just staring down Dalton Kincaid and trying to jam one in there and getting picked off. Rising, Rising's legacy at Utah was cemented last season with what he did. He can play like a total donkey for this season, and he will still be looked upon as, you know, this, you know, the saviors, so to speak, of last year's team, what he did is, you know, forever. But, again, if we're, if we're looking back on this season and it ends a certain way, I think we're going to look at that Florida game as, man, that was a missed opportunity. And that, and that interception is a, is a throw that he's going to want back. I don't necessarily disagree with what you're saying, but I think it's going to go the complete opposite direction, personally. Yeah. If they lose another game, that becomes it. Uh, we're talking to Josh Newman, Salt Lake Tribune. Uh, again, nobody's gone undefeated in Pac-12 play since Oregon did it in 2010. Um, I like I like this Utah team. And now that I've seen USC up close, I see some flaws. Um, do you see flaws in Utah? You see them up close all the time. Where are the flaws? Look, was the Florida game an aberration from the stance of they, they gave up 280 rushing and Anthony Richardson looked like Michael Vick reincarnated because Anthony Richardson has not looked like that since. And Florida has not looked like that since. So is it has this run defense turned the corner, right? You have to take into account the large disparity of opponents that Utah has played. Okay. Beyond Florida, you know, you beat up Southern Utah, you beat up San Diego state, you beat up Arizona state. You held them to six yards in Tempe the other night, you know, Oregon state coming in here to Rice Eccles, I think we'll get some answers about what this Utah team really is. So, you know, are there flaws? Again, the run defense, let's see him play against somebody real. Uh, the wide receiver position has not panned out like people had hoped. I think Devon Bailey has taken a legitimate step forward. 
I think they still need more out of Solomon Enos. I think they need more um, out of Money Parks in the slot. I don't know that there is, and again, this is going back to August. My opinion from August to now on this has not has not really changed. I don't think there is any like dire flaw that they can't overcome, but I think there are still questions. They are, you know, pretty deep at pretty much every position. I don't think there's anything dire. I don't think there's anything that, you know, that cannot be fixed or cannot be improved. But as we head into October here, I definitely think that there are still questions with this Utah team. Josh, uh, you know, Cam Rising, you mentioned him earlier. I want to focus on him just a little bit here. Did he regress at all, or is he? did he just have a bad moment in that Florida game, and he's been terrific ever since? You know, that's a great question. That's something that I've considered. Um, you know, the, the interception at Florida, that's one thing. Um, the end of the first half at Florida, he overthrew uh, receivers on consecutive possessions late in the first half. You left points on the field. There have been moments where he has been inconsistent, certainly more inconsistent than he was a year ago. But then you look at the, at, at the totality of what these four games have been, and he's been mostly very solid. Okay, He is completing 69% of his passes. He's got 10 touchdowns against two picks. Okay, One pick, again, was at Florida. He got picked off at, at Arizona State. Bad throw, fine. So he's been solid. Okay, this is still a run-heavy team. They are running uh, at 58% of the time here through four games. Rising has not been asked to do a ton. But then I find myself, again, thinking about Rising and thinking about these games, and I can't put my finger on it. There is something off. And, again, maybe it's the inconsistencies that we weren't seeing last season. There is something missing, and I cannot totally put my finger on it. I, you know, I've watched, again, I've watched all four games. Nobody's watching it closer than me. I don't know what it is. He's been really good. He's been solid. The numbers are solid. He's doing what is asked of him. But you watch Rising, there is something not completely there, and I cannot fully get a grasp on it, honestly. The, the next three games for Utah, it's Oregon State at home. It's at UCLA the following Saturday. And then the big one, back at home on October 15th, USC and Utah at Rice-Eccles Stadium. Is there a chance Utah in the next two weeks peaks ahead? You know this team and the psychology and the mentality. Do they peak ahead or do they keep their head down and focused on what's in front of them? You know, based on prior history, I, w- I would go with the, you know, with the latter, that they're going to you know, stay focused. But, look, this is the social media age, and all these guys are on social media, and they're on their phones. And, look, they're young people. They understand what's at stake. They understand what's coming. It is difficult to not look what's coming, right? It's a home game. If you take away the Oregon game last year, uh, it's the biggest home game that most of these guys will play in their careers, just given the opponent, given the potential stakes. uh, Maybe game day shows up. So, you know, that is up to Kyle Whittingham and Andy Ludwig and Morgan Scally and the whole coaching staff to, you know, again, reel these guys in, you know, refocus everybody. Um, but, you know, again, prior history, going back to last season, even two years ago since I got here, the, you know, the staff has done a good job of, of, of refocusing guys and concentrating on, you know, on what is the task at hand. Look, Kyle Whittingham on Monday was asked a question about the month of October, right? Oregon State, UCLA, USC, they go to Pullman on a Thursday night. And Kyle shut that down. He's, you know, it could have been coach speak, but he was essentially like, look, I don't even know who we're playing in, in, in October. I'm all in on Oregon State. 
that's the focus. So, again, young people, their phones, social media, it's hard not to look ahead. I think most of the responsibility there falls on the staff to reel these guys in and keep them focused on what's happening in front of them right now. Oregon State, uh, you know, went punch for punch with USC, and I think if they got better quarterback play, they win that game. You, you, and uh, the rest of Salt Lake City, I'm sure were tuned in for a number of reasons. But what do you, what do you think of Oregon State? And you, you saw it last year. You saw Utah, you know, a couple of block punts at Reeser Stadium. Utah got pushed around a little bit in that game last year. What's your takeaway on Oregon State, Josh? You know, I think there are similarities to what this Utah team is. Um, I, I think they're well-schooled. I think they're pretty physical. I think they want to run the ball. I think they want to stop the run. And, again, that kind of mirrors what, you know, what Kyle Whittingham has, has tried to do, obviously, o- over a long period of time. You know, the fact that the game last year in Corvallis got to, you know, 42-34, that, you know, that struck me as a, as a very high-scoring game between two football teams that, you know, that quite frankly play defense generally – at a pretty high level. So, um, look, we know, based on last year, that Utah is capable of, of losing this game. Um, obviously, you know, the Oregon State personnel is not what it was last season. You know, B.J. Baylor killed them last year. He, he's no longer around. Um, you know, they strike me as similar. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, you put if you put Utah's 22 next to Oregon State's 22, I don't think anybody would argue that, you know, that Utah isn't better than Oregon State. I mean, can it be that simple? I don't know. Um, is there a payback factor, a revenge factor? Yeah, you know, we were talking to, you know, some of the assistants and some of the players this week. Those guys have not forgotten what went on in Corvallis last year. Um, and I agree with you. You know, Utah got beat up up front on both sides. At the same time, you had one drive die inside the 10. You had another drive die inside the 5, you know, that came away with no points. You had a block punt um taken back for a touchdown you had a second block punt that got returned but got called back for a penalty so even even though you got pushed around up front if you score on one of those drives and don't get a punt return for a touchdown you still win that game so it's not like utah didn't have uh, ample opportunity to win that game last year so um interesting you know interesting game you know it's not usc but i've, I've certainly had this one circled for a while just based on what you know what happened last Josh Newman, Salt Lake Tribune, is our guest. Josh, uh, before I cut you loose, I'm getting feedback on your phone, buddy. Uh, before I uh, cut you loose here, do we have Josh Newman? Did we lose him? Yep. Sounds like we lost him. Well, I'll let him go. I We were pretty much done anyway. Wanted to ask him one more question, if we can get him back. But, uh, I, I look, I think there's a danger... A little bit of a danger. We got him back? All right, let me grab him here. Oh, sorry about that, Josh. Uh, let me sorry just ask that, you one thing before you before you go. When you I look at USC, it's okay for us to look ahead. Like Kyle Whittingham's not going to get mad at us. Uh, <laughs> I, I look at USC. I don't see a team that I think can go into Rice-Eccles Stadium and win unless something dramatic changes in the next two weeks. Injury to Cam Rising. Caleb Williams suddenly starts playing different. USC shows me something. You've seen a little bit of USC. What is? What are you feeling about that game? It's it's tough. It's I, I go back and forth. I think going into Rice Eccles, nobody wins at Rice Eccles. Okay, Utah is twenty two and two 
at Rice Eccles dating back to the start of 18. Okay, one of those losses was to Washington in 18 uh, when they went to the Rose Bowl. The other was in the 2020 opener, right, the COVID opener, when you uh, when Utah was just decimated by COVID testing. Um, it's very hard to walk into Rice Eccles and win. In general, it is exponentially harder to walk into Rice Eccles in a, a potential night game. Teams just don't win there at night. Um, I think Caleb Williams – Caleb Williams is probably the best, most capable quarterback Utah will see all season. Part of me goes back to the fact that, again, Utah let Anthony Richardson do anything he wanted. Was that an aberration? I think so, but that is part of the story right now is that they allowed Florida to do that to them. Um, You know, Jordan Addison, uh, you know, Clark Phillips or J.P. Broughton will be on Jordan Addison. That is the matchup to watch. And, again, kind of going back to the run defense, are we going to let Travis Dye go crazy? I don't know. Like, Utah's run defense is playing really well. You know, if you're asking me right now, three weeks before that game, who do I think? I'm, pro- I'm probably taking Utah. But, again, some things have happened that at least lead me to pause to at least ponder what we're really going to be looking at in three weeks. Josh Newman, Salt Lake Tribune. I'll see you in the press box on Saturday. Good to talk to you, man. Travel safe, John. Appreciate it. There he is from Salt Lake City. Anna's popping in the studio next. Leave it here. Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. I did about 12 minutes of interviewing, 15 minutes of interviewing uh, Ricky Williams earlier in the show, Heisman Trophy winner. If you missed that interview, grab it. Uh, I only am pointing out the time because it fell woefully short of the Guinness World Record for longest interview ever, 25 hours, 35 minutes. A couple of Ohio-based radio personalities set that record. You know what? I'm happy to let them have it. Anna's popped into the studio. Anna, here's what we're looking at right now. Uh, Sean is going to try to break the Guinness World Record for most saltine crackers consumed in one minute. (laughs) Steven can take his shirt off in what might be less than a second. World's fastest (laughs) stripper is, I think, the record that he would go down at. Is that what it would be? Yeah, the tweet is going out right now. I'm just tagging everybody. (laughs) Okay. Okay, tag me. Goodness world record for world's fastest stripper. Uh, he apparently can take his shirt off in record time. I have to see this to believe it. Uh, Sean has seen it. Um, then, Anna, what record would you set if you were going to set a Goodness world record? Um, I think that I could top this South African woman's record that she just set, oh, actually. Wow. She set... An astonishing record of devouring 4.26 ounces of chicken feet in 60 seconds. I could top that. Uh, I think I'm going to get sick. (laughs) I've seen her eat chicken feet, guys. See? See? Yeah. First of all, that's not out of the question. It's kind of a tainted record because there's a limited... (laughs) population that would be interested in eating a chicken foot there's a limited record for anyone setting a world record it's a little different than a saltine cracker though wouldn't you admit 
It is. When you acknowledge a chicken yeah. foot. There's a lot more variables when it comes to eating the I, chicken feet. I don't understand why you like chicken feet. I don't <laughs> get it. And for people who don't know, it's a delicacy. Anna, if we're in like a dim sum place or a Chinese restaurant that has chicken feet, her eyes light up. I had chickens growing up. I, I watched them walk around in the chicken coop. It never once did I have a foot fetish for a chicken and say, oh, I would love to eat those feet. <laughs> it's not my thing, Anna. You have, you have a bit of a chicken foot fetish. The key to this is that only one chicken foot is allowed to be eaten at a time. You can't, like, snatch up a whole handful oh, and yeah. eat multiple feet. You'll get disqualified. Seems like a real – the saltine rule is the same rule, one cracker at a time. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Uh-huh. I, I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe you go for that one and Sean goes for the saltines and then we call it a day. <laughs> hey, uh, I want your opinion on something here. Uh, CBS Sports had a big story today that I I just shake my head at. Okay. Um, the Pac-12 is in danger of eventual collapse as the Big Ten considers further expansion, comma, Big 12 interest looms. Clearly the headline is uh, geared at search engine optimization. Okay, mm. it's not geared at reflecting what's in the piece there's also a photograph or a piece of art or an illustration or a graphic that goes with it showing the pac-12 logo on the middle of a football field and they have cracked it all up like it's ready to splinter up a lot of dramatics and a lot of theater yeah i read the piece underwhelming no sourcing no uh nobody on the record um Nobody else reporting this. ESPN's not reporting it. The Athletic's not reporting it. I'm not reporting it. But it basically just kind of supposes a bunch of things that could happen. And then in the end, it says pretty much that, like, well, maybe nothing can happen. You know, maybe maybe nothing happens with this. I, I just don't feel like this is news. And I've been crowing about this since the beginning of the show, Anna. Like, you know, part of what I'm preaching on this show in a, at, at johnconzano.com on the website where you can read me, is you're going to get sourced in-depth reporting. I'm not going to put crap out there, and this story just feels like it's tossed against the wall, and, you know, let's see what people think. That's uh, problematic. Can I ask, is it a news article or is it a column? It's a news piece. It's presented okay. as a news piece. Okay, presented. As, and I ask that because I think it's important to delineate between something that, you know, presents as an article reporting facts versus something that is like purely commentary yeah. yeah i mean like i i read you the headline right mm -hmm. yeah so third paragraph to the end i just want to read this a different industry critic stressed that there's no strategic reason for the big 10 to expand further in fact that person thought expansion might invite lawsuits from slighted programs and possible scrutiny from the federal government it's it's basically like hey everything i wrote earlier yeah might not happen and I have another person who's telling me it's, you know, it, to me it just feels like like we could do this all day long. I could write a story saying the Big Ten is, you know, but I don't want to. I don't want to just throw stuff out there. Mm -hmm. It's really disappointing. So why do you think it's happening? Is it because like we've talked about when there's a, a lack of information that people just start supposing things? I think uh, I think there's. A couple things going on here. I think it, it behooves the Big 12 Conference mm -hmm. to have some instability in the Pac-12. We've, we've heard George Klyovkov talk about the grenades that have been thrown from the Big 12 footprint. This one uh, still has the pin in it, but it's a grenade. Uh, 
I, I think what is happening here is people who are interested in seeing the demise of the Pac-12 are out talking. And this is where I give the reporter a little bit of leeway. Mm-hmm. If the reporter's being told by a credible source, this is happening. The Big Ten is coming for the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. They're going to take four teams. And that's going to cause Colorado, Utah, Arizona, and Arizona State to go to the Big 12. Like, if someone's telling them that, the 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 responsible thing to do is to then run, chase that down. Mm-hmm. You know, go after it. Mm-hmm. Find a source that will talk to you about it and find out if there's truth to it. Don't just report it. And what I think is happening is you probably have a crisis management team or a consultant or a PR firm that's working in the middle here who's whispering a lot of things whispering. to him. Yeah, a lot that's of exactly people. the words. That, yeah, yeah, the word I would have I mean, no, I, it happens to me. Yeah. Like, I will have people who have an agenda who say, hey, you know, the Blazers are uh, they're going to move to Seattle. Yeah. I don't turn around and write a piece saying the Blazers are, you know, source says the Blazers are going to move to Seattle based on that. I would turn and I would talk to the Blazers. I would talk to people at City Hall. I would talk to people in Seattle that would be in the know as to whether or not a team was coming there. I would, you know, talk to stakeholders and interested parties that have contracts with the Blazers that are predicated upon the Blazers being in Portland and go, hey, are they trying to back out of any of these deals? Like, I'm looking for supporting evidence. And, And if I don't have that, I'm not reporting it because if I don't have that, it ain't happening. That this, is that is an important part of the process. I think that part's being left out. You think so? Yeah. I think okay. ESPN, The Athletic, myself, John Wilner, a lot of other reporters across the country read that story, probably reached out to people. I did. Mm-hmm. And the response I got in the Pac-12 footprint was, there they go again. Big 12. Yeah, it's interesting when you read an article like that because you really have to like think about, okay, who does this article benefit? By this, you know, being leaked out, and yeah. I'm putting leaked out in quotes, like there's somebody, like you're saying, there's somebody with an agenda 100%. who wants this out there. Hundred percent. And it is, it is vital for journalists to go and chase that down and try to verify it, you know, with multiple sources, especially if these are unnamed sources that are providing this kind of information. Yeah, and a lot of people I don't think understand how that works, but here's the bottom line. There's different kinds of sourcing. I don't want to get too far into this because I think it put people to sleep, but, <laughs> uh, you know, it, there are people who are first party, you know, they have knowledge, direct knowledge of what's going on, and in, in, let's just use the Pac-12 as Primary an example. Primary sources. Primary source, direct knowledge, involved in meetings, knows what's going on, that will talk to you. They will because they trust you. Right. And they'll say, here's what's really happening. And they'll give you the good and the bad of it, and you can tell if they're trying to sell you. Yes. Okay? You can tell because if it's too rosy, you go, come on. Yeah. Like, you know, but they'll, you know, they'll give you the good and the bad of it. Then there are secondary sources, maybe consulting firms, consultants, whatever, who – you know, they got a dog in the fight. They're getting paid by a conference or a school to perpetuate an idea. Or, you know, there may be a firm out there that it, whose aim it is is to get Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah into the Big 12. Mm-hmm. Like the Big 12 may have hired a firm and said, hey, your job is get those four schools into our membership. Right. There's value in that for us. Right. So they pay a couple hundred thousand dollars to this firm. What does that firm do? 
starts by talking to some trusted reporters. Hey, you know what's happening? Mm-hmm. Pac-12, you know, the, the Big the Big Ten's coming for them. They're going to break them up. You, but you can't just turn around and report that. You can't. I'm I uh, I I I am disappointed because I I felt like in the last eight years or so we've all had to make decisions when it comes to politics on what we trust, what facts we're going to accept as facts. It's like that whole world of political reporting became so agenda driven that like I just felt for everybody. Yeah, right. Because I think there were people who were legitimately misled by mm-hmm. by media so- em- entities. Yeah. And some of it may be like, hey, you're you're paying attention to the we, we, how many times have raise your hand if you're out there and you've said to someone else, hey, you're paying attention to the wrong TV station or the wrong <laughs> like we shouldn't have to do that in sports. We, there shouldn't be a their side our side. There shouldn't be any of that. There should only be like, hey, report what you know to be true and you can verify. So I feel like there's some of that at, at play here. And look, I told people in the first segment, I'm going to say it again. If you want to really know what's going on, you come to this radio show. I'll tell you. I'll tell you when there's trouble. I'll tell you if the Pac-12 is going to disband. I'll tell you if there's – the, the conference is nowhere near that right now. Not hearing that. And the people involved in the direct discussions are not worried about it. Uh, they are focused on getting a media rights deal done and adding teams. And the college football playoff expansion has given some, you know, given some stability to the ecosystem because everybody knows now you're better off in the Pac-12 if you're Oregon or Washington as long as you can get money, relative money, in the media rights world, you have access to the playoff that you in the Pac-12 that you don't have in the Big Ten. So there's no reason for Oregon or Washington to go say, well, we'd rather play Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State than having to play Washington State and Cal and Stanford. Give me a break. But I'll tell you at johnconzano.com what's what. Like, if you really want to know what's going on, get a free subscription there. Get a paid subscription there. Whatever works for you works for me. But if you don't want to know what's going on, you shouldn't be listening to this show and you shouldn't be reading me because I will tell you what is happening. I'm not just going to throw some crap against the wall, and I'm so tired of it. I felt like sports was maybe a safe place for us all to kind of agree on a set of facts, but I I feel like we are playing the same game here right now with the Big 12 and the Big 10 and the Pac-12 and some a couple of media members in particular out there that I think, you know, I want to believe that they're good people that are just being, you know, told and whispered things that aren't true. But uh, I'm looking around at like the credible news agencies that are out there, and I'm, 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 uh, I, I guess I'm pleased that ESPN and the Athletic have not reported anything like this. They're rolling their eyes too. Leave it here. You got the BFT. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face Hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.